Well, good morning, church. What a day. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Joel Lingenfelter. I'm the executive pastor here at LEFC. And uh, when Pastor Tony first asked me to speak or consider speaking in this sermon series, I was really thinking about how surreal it would be to preach from this stage, this, this building that I'd spent so much time working on. Uh, but none of us knew how surreal it would be to preach to an empty room. I'm grateful that God has given us the ability to live stream. Uh, before we opened this room, we didn't have that capability. And so uh, we can all rejoice that here we are uh, and we have the opportunity to be in everyone's homes this week. Uh, very, very excited about what we have. Now, last week, Pastor Nick did a great job, but he preached in his pajamas. And I got to tell you, I received quite a few text messages saying something along the lines of, hey, looking forward to seeing you preach in your pajamas this week. And yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so I, I realized, though, as I was looking through the photos that you guys posted, that I do have a rare opportunity today. Now, those of you who know me know I don't do this often, but I'm actually going to exercise my authority as the executive pastor of LEFC to make a declaration today. And that is that I'm declaring today, take your pet to church day. So bring your pet to church with you, get on social media, take a picture, tell us who they are, hashtag LEFC pets. All right, today is bring your pet to church day. No one is gonna complain that you have brought your pet to church. They don't even have to be service animals. Bring your pet to church. So at the beginning of February, we began our series on 1 Peter. And 1 Peter opens like this. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a man who walked side by side with Jesus, a man whose faith was so strong that he was able to walk on water. He was a man that was there for almost all of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he's writing to encourage people who have been scattered against their will. That sounds familiar. The audience for this letter was no longer together in community. They'd been separated from those that they love. Now, we read this at the start of the series, and when we did, we were together here at 419 Pearson Road. But now, we've been scattered into our homes, and we can't meet together in community like we desire. Now, I realize that the circumstances of the exiles were much greater than our circumstances now. We are not exiles in our own homes. We are separated by necessity, just like Peter's audience. But we are experiencing life that is very different than what we want and different than what we expected. Now, despite these circumstances, we should not despair. As we read earlier, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And what does it say? All of us will be together to see it happen. It is the word of God that endures forever. And God's enduring word has been written down for us in our Bible. Last week, Pastor Nick made the point that when the Apostle Peter was writing this letter, 
People didn't yet have the New Testament as we know it today. And as I was thinking and reflecting on today's sermon, I was just blessed by how uh, wonderful and easy our access is to Scripture. For a long time, Bibles were both rare and expensive. Prior to the printing press, they had to be copied by hand. And as you can imagine, that was a very long and laborious process, and the cost was astronomical. It was after the Reformation that Bibles began to become more common. But even then, they were large, expensive books, looking something like this Bible that I have in front of me. For a long time, the only place you could even see a Bible was in a church, and there would be one at the front at the altar. And it wasn't available for you to come up and page through. The text would be read to you by the clergy. Virtually no one had the luxury of having a Bible in their home or being able to read it themselves. But this began to change in the 19th century here in America. The American Bible Society and others worked to put a Bible in every home in America. Now this particular Bible in front of me, it was printed in Philadelphia in 1877 by the A.J. Holman Company. A lot of work went into making it not just a resource for the text of Scripture, but a commentary, a concordance, a Bible atlas, and more. See, this was likely the only Bible for a well-off home when it was first sold. Now if we were living in a different time and we were told that we couldn't meet Essentially, everyone would be cut off from access to the Word of God. Thankfully, great strides have been made in access to Scripture in the 21st century. Most of you have a Bible in your home. In fact, I'd venture a guess that most of your homes have more than one. But if you don't, there are several ways you can follow along with us this morning. And most importantly, read the Word of God on your own when we're not having services. Now, the simplest is with a Bible app. If you go into your app store and search for the word version," all one word, it will bring up the Bible app that we use every week to connect you with the scripture passages we use. Once you've downloaded it, you can click on events and LEFC will show up. But if you're not watching locally or even on a Sunday morning, you might have to type in LEFC in the search box to bring up our church and be able to see the passages for our service. Now, if you're not using a device, if you're on your computer, uh, BibleGateway.com will bring up all the scripture that you want to search for. Uh, and if you're doing that and you wonder which translation we use, we're using the NIV. So now that we have our Bibles open, let's pray before we read the word together. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time together, even together virtually. I pray that people would not feel isolated, they would not feel alone. Pray that you would heal those who are sick, who are afflicted, who are struggling during this time. And I pray that your peace would be apparent in all who believe. And Lord, for those that don't know you, I pray that they would see that peace in those in their relational world and they would want to know you. They would want that peace in their lives. Lord, I pray for our time today. I pray that you would bless our, our interaction with your word. And I pray that you would speak through me to this audience. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So our passage today is in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. Turn there with me. It's almost all the way at the back of your Bible, or use your phone and your tablet to search 1 Peter. 
Uh, or perhaps on Bible Gateway, pull up 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read the word of the Lord together. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We begin with a preacher's favorite word, therefore. Like Tony said a few weeks ago, whenever you see this word, you should figure out what it's there for. And though the thought really continues, um, really what Peter's doing here is he's continuing the thought that he started at the very beginning. But I, I want to go back. I want to look in the rearview mirror and I want to see what he's walked us through to this point. See, the overarching narrative of 1 Peter, it begins with the message of salvation and the glories to follow. In verse 3, we see this. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That narrative continues with verses 13 to 15, instructing us that in light of our salvation, we should live a life worthy of the calling through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 22, it gets personal. All of this points to how we treat other people. We're to love them. It begins with the love of God towards us in providing his son as the perfect sacrifice. And that leads to loving one another just as Christ loved us. In verse 25, it says this. This is the word that was preached to you. Peter has laid out a narrative. It begins with the salvation of all who believe to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives allowing us to be holy as God is holy. And that leads us to loving one another. And he concludes this first section with, this is the word that was preached to you. In other words, he's concluded one cohesive thought, and now he's going to tell us what to do in light of this. Thus, the word, therefore. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. You should see these on your screen. Look closely at each of these items. If you're watching this stream with someone else, turn to them and discuss this question. What do these items have in common? What do these five words have in common? So each of these sins is a relational sin. Each of these sins places a barrier between us and the people we are called to love. Each of these sins hinders our ability to share Christ with others. 
If I'm guilty of malice, I'm acting with evil towards another person. Deceit requires someone to be deceived. Hypocrisy is criticizing someone for doing something that I do myself. Envy is wanting what others have, and slander is saying falsehoods about another person. Each and every one of these sins is a hindrance to loving one another and is directly contrary to how we've been called to live. Remember how we began. We are loved so much that God sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins. Therefore, we should be holy as God is holy. And having purified ourselves, we should love others deeply from the heart. And that means we need to remove these relational sins from our lives in order to love those around us, those close to us, well, those six feet away or more. To be like Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to love people, not harm them. We need to extend grace to others, not malice. And our motivation is to do this because of what Jesus did for us. Now, I'm going to skip over verses 2 and 3 for a moment because we'll come back to them in a little bit. But look with me, if you will, at verses 4 and 5. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. Who is that living stone? Who are we coming to? Well, if we take a moment and we look in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 12, verse 10, we see this. Haven't you read the passage of Scripture? It's Jesus speaking. He says, haven't you read this passage of Scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders, they looked for a way to arrest him because they, had, they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and they went away. See, Jesus, Jesus is that cornerstone. But the cornerstone is spoken more than just in Psalm, uh, sorry, in Mark 12. It's also in Psalm 118. Uh, but let's see what, what God says about Jesus in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28, 16 says it this way. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Then look what it says next. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. These are good words for us today. The one who relies on Jesus will never be stricken with panic. What if you don't know Jesus personally? What if you are stricken with panic and fear? How do you rely on him as the cornerstone? The Bible tells us something explicitly that I think we all know in our heart, right? That we've all sinned and that we all fall short of the glory of God. Now this creates a problem because God is holy and God is pure and we are not. Later in the book of Romans, we'll read that the wages of sin, the fact that we have sinned, the wages of sin is death. In other words, what we have earned because of our sin, what we've earned is death. We deserve the death penalty. Now, those are hard words to take, but they're true. And there's nothing we can do on our own to fix the condition we find ourselves in. 
But it also tells us something amazing. It says that God demonstrates his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And so, while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is incredibly good news. We were dead in sin, yet we can be alive in Christ. This is the message of new birth and living hope that we talked about earlier. So how do you do this? If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't put your trust in him, how do you do this? Again, the Bible tells us exactly what we can do to be resurrected into a living hope with Jesus. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're watching this and you've never made that commitment, this is a great time to take a moment and say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for the things I've done, but I want to change, and I know that only you can do that. I believe that you died on my behalf and rose from the dead, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for your incredible grace and mercy. Amen. Pray that. Pray that with someone around you. Pray that by yourself. And then tell people, when this message is over, if you did that today and you're watching this with somebody else, I guarantee you they will want to know that you made that decision today. If you're by yourself, if you're watching this in your home, tell us at the church. Post something on Facebook. Drop us an email. We would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you. And I have more good news. But the good news is not that my iPad is now at the beginning of my message. Uh, give me just a moment, and let me get back to where we are. So sorry. Okay. I have more good news. Scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins are washed away. You have Jesus now, and the condemnation is his, not yours. So let's continue with our text. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I mentioned at the beginning of this message that over the last few years, I have been overseeing the design and construction of this building. This has been an all-consuming, monumental task, and I absolutely did not do it alone. The entire staff has been involved at various levels. There were teams of volunteers who have prayed, they've planned, they've moved things, they've built, they've cleaned, they've done a myriad of other tasks. Many of you have prayed for this project, you've given to this project, and you've been supportive and involved in so many ways. And we are just one church. Every church that has built a building has in some form or another been through a process like what we just went through. And that got me thinking about other churches that I've seen. I'd like to show you some photos. First one is this. This is a church in Brunswick, Maryland. Well, it was a church, now it's a coffee shop. It's called Beans in the Belfry. Beans in the Belfry. Let me show you another one. This is in Pittsburgh. Uh, this is a beautiful church with a, a gorgeous altar, stained glass, a number of things. 
It's called Church Brew Works. It's a brewery and a pub where you can go and have a beer and something to eat. Let me show you this. This is the Church of Santa Barbara. It's in Spain. And if you look carefully, the inside of this church has been turned into a skate park. So you can come to this incredible building with your skateboard and you can have an amazing time skating on the walls and looking at what was, what was once a sacred space. How about this? It's called Five Church Charleston. It's a restaurant. I believe it's in Charleston, South Carolina. Or another one, this disco used to be a cute cathedral, right? Once upon a time, this was a church, but now it's a nightclub. I'll tell you what, I went through their Facebook page. It looks ugly. It does not look like they are honoring God in that space. But nothing compares to the next one a dentist office in an old church. Now that, how you take a house of comfort and turn it into one of pain is beyond me. Uh, but my apologies to those of you that are dentists. Uh, this is definitely not what I think of when I think of church. Now some of these churches, they've grown out of their buildings and they continue to thrive. And admittedly, I don't know the story of all the churches I just showed you. But I am pretty confident of one thing. I'm pretty confident that the people who poured their time, their money, and their talent into building those sacred spaces, they didn't do so in hopes that they would someday be a brewery, a library, a private home, a disco, a veterinarian's office, don't forget, uh, a veterinarian's office, a restaurant, a skate park, or any other number of things that churches have been turned into. I'm also pretty confident that the reason those buildings are no longer churches isn't because everyone around them is already saved and attending another church. Right? Those churches are no longer serving the purpose for which they were built. And buildings are made from dead things. They're made from dead trees. They're made from stone. They're made from steel. But the church... The church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is people. Let's look at verses four and five again. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Jesus is the living stone upon which the entire church is sustained. While the building is made up of dead things, the church itself is not. We, the people of the church, we are living stones and we draw our strength from the living stone, the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus, chosen by God and precious to him. So what does it mean to be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood? Well, for starters, stone, wood, and steel, they cannot be turned into something spiritual. This building, this beautiful building, this amazing building, if you haven't been here yet, I cannot wait to share this space with you. This awesome building is nothing more than a box, a box that normally contains the church. But right now, it doesn't even do that. 
Now, thankfully, even though this place is empty, the church lives on. How? Through the living stones that are the actual church. Each one of you watching this right now. The purpose of LEFC, the purpose of Lancaster Evangelical Free Church, the purpose of this body of believers is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. What is a disciple? It's somebody who loves God, someone who loves people, someone who lives the truth, lives the very word of God, and someone who proclaims Jesus. Now, you know what's awesome? None of those things require any of you to be in this room with me right now. As a church, we can and should accomplish our purpose in whatever environment we find ourselves in. Even if we're exiles to Akron, Mannheim, Ephrata, Lancaster, and beyond. Now let's look back at churches, uh, verses 2 and 3 again. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, Peter is actually quoting from Psalm 34. And this week, if you have time, read Psalm 34. It's a great passage of scripture. It talks about who God is and how he is to us in a time like this. But let's get back to our text. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. What is pure spiritual milk? Well, milk, milk is what sustains and grows the young. What sustains and grows our faith is time in the word and prayer, connection with God himself. These two things are absolute essentials for every Christian. And in times like this, strengthening of our faith is more and more important. So love God this week. Love God this week by digging into his word. You have the most access to scripture of any Christian in the history of mankind. Don't waste the opportunity to let God's word wash over you in these uncertain times. Now, I'll give you some information and some more resources in a bit, but when you're done reading his word, you should spend time in prayer. Ask him to give you the peace, give you his peace in this time of uncertainty. How do you love people right now? Well, this is pretty easy, right? We're surrounded, at least six feet or more, we're surrounded by people who are hurting, who are scared, who are frustrated, who are bored, right? Who are at risk, who need help. And most of all, they need the peace that comes from God. So maybe it's going to buy and deliver groceries to your older neighbor. Maybe it's taking a walk with your neighbor or a family member just to avoid going crazy, staying in your house. Maybe it's standing outside and talking with others. Maybe it's as simple as sharing a roll of unused toilet paper. Be thinking about ways you can be a blessing to those around you, the way you can love others during this season. You know, we live truth by living out the word of God. And in today's text, that means a frank analysis of our own lives. Are we loving others in word and deed? Or do we have some relationship killers in our lives that we need to rid ourselves of? But you know, the beauty of it is every single day is a new opportunity to live out the truth of God's word and to be like Jesus. And when we're like Jesus, we love God and we love people. 
and then proclaiming Jesus. This starts by setting yourself firmly upon the living stone of Jesus and letting the peace of God inform everything that you do. And then share your faith with those that need to hear. I don't know about you, but watching the news is incredibly depressing to me. Even in good times, their number one job is to get you so anxious that you'll watch again tomorrow. And when in bad times, it feels like nonstop doom and gloom. But there is good news. The good news is that we do not have to remain dead in our sins. The good news is that we do not have to be afraid. The good news is that there is a God, and that God loves us, and he wants us to spend eternity with him. Folks, there is good news in this world. It is news of hope, news of grace, news of love, and news of mercy. How can we not share that? How can we not proclaim Jesus to all of those around us? This building is an amazing space, but it's nothing without the church inside. If we are not the living stones that make up the church, this would be better off as a nightclub or a concert hall. But God did not call us to build this space for that purpose. He called us to build this space as a place where people could come and hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to close by reading one more scripture. It's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. It's back about two books from where we were. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I'm sure it said and soap in the original. But uh, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may, we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Church, draw near to God. Dwell richly in the full assurance of your faith. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. For God is with us. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We have hope. We have living hope. Based on the living stone of Jesus Christ. No matter what the days and weeks ahead bring. Hold fast to your hope in Jesus and share that hope with your oikos, with those around you, with your relational world. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He called us to build this space to be a place to be together and to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We can't meet together at this point, but we haven't given up and we will resume as soon as it's safe to do so. And I promise you, it will look better than ever. I'm expecting that the renovation will be complete on the children's wing before we can use the space again. And the youth spaces are coming along nicely. It will be an incredible space for us to be together as a church body. 
As we close, I want to share some things that we're doing for you and your families at this time. After I pray, I'll be giving you some questions to discuss related to the sermon. They're for you to spend time right now and talk about them. If you're alone, you can work with them yourself, or better yet, connect with someone via phone call, Skype, FaceTime, or, or whatever platform you use to engage them. The questions I give you will also be available on our website, and that will include a weekly resource we are calling Engage. Engage is designed to provide ways that you and your family can engage with God throughout the week. They're appropriate for all ages and for isolation protocols. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be together over the internet. We thank you that these opportunities exist where we're not isolated in exile by ourselves, but we can come together in some form and fashion. But Lord, we, we are anxious for the day when we can come together as a body again. In the meantime, Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for a swift end to this outbreak. We pray that uh, you would bring about calm and peace and that people in our congregation, people in our body, would just exude the peace that transcends all understanding. And Lord, that they would be effective witnesses to those around them. Lord, may your word dwell richly in our heart. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I told you I have questions. I have three questions that you can talk about now. The first is this. What are ways we can love people when we have to keep our distance? Right? How do we love people from six feet away or more? Our second question says this. In verse 3, Peter quoted Psalm 34. Read this psalm and discuss the promises it contains. Discuss how this text can be applied to our lives today. And question three, what are some ways you can encourage one another in the coming week? People need encouragement right now. They need to know that you are not panicked, that you are not afraid. What are some ways we can encourage one another in the coming week? These questions, along with the Engage resource, which will be attached to these questions, they're available for download on our website. Take a moment after you close the stream to click that link. Thank you for being with us this morning. Have a blessed week. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. Have an amazing week. God bless.